good evening and good morning, EPL State of Mind listeners. You just could not keep us away from the headset and mic. We thought we would be coming in after the Champions League because our English Premier League season was over, but we're already back at you with some extra bonus footage slash, you know, audio, whatever you want to call it. We have myself, Sean, and Kyle on the mic again. How are you guys surviving the Mars atmosphere today? I guess that's our first bit of hot news. Everyone's lungs, you know, consuming enough ash and soot today. Yeah, I didn't I didn't realize we moved to Pompeii. It's been brutal. I can't even fucking <laughs> walk around. Yeah, it's the, it's, it's the straight up end of the world. This sucks. It, but one thing remains consistent. We've gone through a pandemic together. We've gone through what now is, like I said before, a Mars atmosphere. But the EPL state of mind and our progress on this podcast remains the same and we all look forward to it and gets us through all these issues so happy to be back here so soon after our our closing season episode last or two week and a half ago super crazy news today i didn't think we would see it there were rumors of it last year uh possibly coming from psg beforehand there was talk of him going to saudi arabia for their premier league but today we have probably the biggest news for MLS and USA football to date ever, period. I don't know what will come next, but the GOAT himself, Mr. Messi, is coming to enter Miami. We have it reported. Sean, do the honors and do the first report here for the EPL State of Mind for Messi's moving to Miami. Right. Yeah. I mean, this is just unbelievable. I came, I think somebody sent it to me via Twitter this morning and my head almost exploded. I mean, as you mentioned, it's been rumored for probably a year and a half, two years now. Time didn't go great at PSG. They didn't reach their ultimate goal, but uh, yeah, he basically just couldn't turn down the deal with Inter Miami. It seems like Barker couldn't pay him. So it was either Inter Miami or Saudi Arabia. Me personally, I would also prefer to live in Miami. Um, but to get this deal done, uh, the, the deal also includes revenue and profit sharing deals with Apple TV, who's the MLS TV sponsor, um, as well as Adidas, who is the Jersey and merchandise sponsor. So he gets percentages of both of those. He also has the option to own his or open his own franchise in the MLS after retiring. So similar to what David Oof. Beckham did and the deal that he had back in 07 when he joined the galaxy and now owns inter Miami. Now Messi has that option, um, you know, down the road. So it could be a very lucrative deal. Um, ticket prices have exploded. My friend Krishna lives down in Miami and uh, showed me the difference in pricing from, uh, I think it was like their game against somebody in uh, like a friendly in July. And the prices went from like 16 bucks a ticket to like 1600 bucks a ticket. It's, it's like Taylor Swift all over again. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy. I have messy fever. And I am just so excited, man. This is this is the greatest thing for the development of the MLS. I'll, I'll mention it later on, but this is a huge win, not only for the states and our development for the sport as a country and the youth, especially with that opportunity for Messi to open up his own franchise. Hence, there would be an academy, youth development. The whole nine yards would be gigantic. Miami's not a bad space to do it in either. But this is a giant win on a struggling battle, and you can call me a hater if you want, but on a struggling battle for pros that are 
semi at the end of their prime years going to Saudi Arabia instead of what we anticipated coming to the MLS, being able to share their wisdom and their experience with the development of the MLS here, which we have, you know, lost a couple really great players to Saudi Arabia lately. And we'll talk about that beforehand, but I know Kyle, you're a bit pessimistic, not because he's moving over, but pessimistic to the move. So talk a little bit about that, Mr. Hot King. Well, I mean, I love that name, but listen, <laughs> I've, I've seen this story unfold many a time before. Messi's going here. Messi's going there. Look at the price tag he's claiming. Their camp agreed. Their dad's in talks. Their agent's over here. I, I am not convinced until I see that man on the Inner Miami field in an Inner Miami kit. All right? It's too much. For all I know, this is a publicity stunt to go, Saudi Arabia, you offered $1.2 I'm turning it down. Look at the deal I'm about to get for Miami. What else can you offer? Until he is solidified, I'm I'm not getting invested. I just don't I just can't do it. The the social media world has exploded today with reports from everywhere, but the ones that I hold on to dearest and nearest and and Sean, you and I talk about him quite often is Fabrizio Romano. I did mention to a couple of people earlier in the week actually how because all these transfer rumors coming up, I don't believe it until I hear it from that man's mouth. And he has been on a binge today regarding Messi and not only that but Messi has come out on social media and I have a bit of a, a couple uh, you know jambles of his quotes that came out uh, earlier today and it, you know first he opens up he said he wanted to return to Barcelona so I think if he wasn't going to Saudi Arabia he would have attempted to make the Barcelona the Barcelona move back higher than Saudi Arabia which is good to hear but and this is this is quoting Messi now he says I heard reports of La Liga giving the green light but the truth is that many things were still missing in order to make my return. I wanted to make my own decision, thinking of me and my family. I did not want to be in the same position I was in two years ago. I'm sure there are people into the club that does not want me to return to Barca. And that's pretty much just saying that he was strung out online for so long with that potential return or the potential staying in Barcelona. Financial fair play was an issue. Salaries were an issue. And it still is. And it wouldn't be in his future. And the biggest thing at the end there, what I said is I'm sure there are people that wouldn't be excited. I'll tell you who wouldn't be excited. The players that would have to be cut or drop their salaries. So I think Messi's doing the right thing, bowing out. You don't want a, a Ronnie-esque return again. And then there's some form of, you know, uh, locker room trouble and shit like that. So I, for one, if you're not believing it now, Kyle, I'm excited for you to get excited for it because it's happening, my friend. So when that is happening or when it's solidified and he's on that pitch with that jersey, we'll make sure to check your heart rate. Uh, listen, I'm all for it. Don't don't get the wrong idea. I just – I'm not going to get excited and have my heart broken again. Like, remember when Messi was coming to Man City? Like, oh, I remember. All the reports led to – no, no. Fat chance. You know what? We'll what, see what, what happens. Was that? I don't remember that one. Yeah, that was, that was before he went to PSG. But Barca um, – our boy Juan actually sent me something on WhatsApp a few minutes ago. Uh, I was like Barcelona wishing him the best of luck and kind of taking a swipe at the MLS, but whatever. Well, I mean, Barcelona is probably worth more than the entirety of the MLS. <laughs> Their club's yeah. history. Not anymore. Not yeah, anymore. not anymore. Yeah. yeah. So that'll be that'll be really exciting. I mean, we'll definitely have to you know fork over maybe a, a pinky or a non-essential organ to get into to watch him play when they play either Red Bulls or NYCFC, but. Yeah. Well, when was the that. last time? When was the last time something like this happened for them? Else, Thierry Henry coming over? Nah, Beckham. Z I feel like Beckham. Zlatan. Like, yeah. Zlatan. He's a big mm, name. Yeah, but Messi's the mm. goat. Yeah, That's but Zlatan like, set records in the MLS. 
like making yeah, him Zlatan probably the best player to come to the MLS. Yeah, but Beckham has more star power and cachet. Like I think Beckham's the closest thing, but really we've never really seen anything like it. Um, How about the return of Landon Donovan from the EPL to the MLS back in the day? It's a big. I name mean, great for home. the U.S. players. Yeah, great, great for the program. For the players. I'm a Clint Dempsey guy personally. I'm always Team Clint over Donovan, was especially because he, he was played he on for the Fulham. Ev. Back in the uh, day, Fulham and Tottenham. Yeah. Tottenham. Oof, they oh, could yeah. use him. They could use him. <laughs> we'll get we'll get into that for sure. The the woes at Tottenham and the biggest news for Tottenham momentarily. But I know Kyle, you're on a bit of a time pinch here, so we're gonna try to you know get all the Man City talk out of you before before you do bid us adieu early. And then everyone, I'm sorry, but you have to put up with Sean and I for the remainder of the podcast. Don't cry now, <laughs> cry later. But I'm sure you're all happy about that. Why don't we go ahead and we'll get into the the FA Cup then? You guys want to start with the FA Cup? Yeah, I'm all good to talk about that. Well, Kyle, um, congratulations. You have two of the three boxes checked. It's much thank you, like thank you. almost we're getting 1999 feelings going on right now when the last time someone in the EPL pulled the treble, the treble, and that was the only time they pulled the treble, and that was Man U. We talked about that already. So we'll find out on Saturday night if you are going to be partying like it's 1999. But for now, we'll figure out how you partied the pre- this previous weekend with the win. So what, what I mean, I know you're going to bring up Holland, but I think we're all going to talk about the one and only Gundogan, the master, yeah. Mr. Clutch himself. Yeah, for sure. I mean, not much to talk about Holland, really. They did a fantastic job of shutting him down. That's what every team has been doing as of late when the big games, they just mark him like a motherfucker. And it works. That being said, I actually was at work during this game. So I was watching on my phone and my little desk. And in the Big first 13 seconds when Gundo scored, I jumped up with both my hands and screamed. <laughs> and every head in the office turned to me. And I had to play it <laughs> off like I wasn't watching and just got an update. <laughs> but uh, no, that strike was immaculate. One of the best of the season for our for not, not only Gundo, but like for the entire team, in my opinion. That was a worldie. And of course it happens to De Gea. I absolutely love that. So he will be forever the goalkeeper in the fastest goal ever scored in the FA Cup, which was a 13-second volley from outside the 18, one touch into the top right corner, bending away from the keeper, an absolute immaculate strike. Yeah. And then to do it again in the start of the second half, a volley from outside the 18 with a first-touch shot is just class. Gundo is one of the most clutch players on the team, if not in the world right now. Yep. Yeah. Sean, is he the most clutch player in the world on the planet? It's, it's hard to argue at the moment. I mean, when you consider the fact that his two goals saved their title last year on the last day against Villa, and then, you know, some of the big moments he's had this year as well. Um, I mean, obviously Benzema was in, it was in that conversation too, with all the big goals he had on, on uh, Madrid's run to the, the UCL final last year. But, yeah, man. Hard recency bias, you know, be damned. Gundo's definitely in that conversation. If if you're a man city, how hard are you trying to keep him right now? Um before that game, not not crazy hard. I mean, hard to see him go. He's been clinical for the team for years. After that game, I will be heartbroken if he leaves. That was that was just so much fun. He looked in control, composed, he controlled the game. Usually that's reserved for someone like KDB, Grealish, Holland. But no, like Gundo was just running shit. It's awesome to see. He looked confident, which you don't really get to see much out of him. 
because he doesn't like, I don't know if you watch the game. He doesn't really get many touches on the ball. He's, he's trying to find space. He's, he's not really calling for it, but on Saturday, he was everywhere. Great to watch, you know, contrary. And, and I didn't, I unfortunately wasn't able to catch all of the game. Um, I was celebrating two birthdays on the third. Uh, so I was out there kind of going here and there, but I put it on maybe one second after the first goal. So I was heartbroken from that, oh. but <laughs> But for, for the record, if you look at the stats and, and Sean, I, you watched the game on, on Saturday, I presume. I'll let you talk about the game next. But just to throw some stats out there for everybody, man, you actually led with expected goals. Man City had 1.21 to Man U's 1.87. And Man U also led on shots. So it was 13 to Man City's 11. So it's not like they didn't have the opportunities, Man U. It's just the clinical finishing of man city and it, that's what happens with when you're the best team in the world is if you have a window of opportunity even if you're not expected to finish you have the capability to do so so that's just the man city lifestyle but sean talk about a little bit of the game yeah i mean um i, I think you just kind of summarized it pretty well there to be honest i think um we expected and by we i mean the entire world other than delusional united fans that city would win this game <laughs> um but uh, you know, United put up a pretty good fight in this game. I thought they played, you know, pretty well, created some chances. Personally, the penalty for them to to equalize uh, off of a Jack Grealish one, I mean, there's got to be some clarity on or, or change to the rules on the handball rule after this season because it's obvious there's no intent there. He's just going up, the, his hands kind of at his side, a little bit raised, and then it hits it. I don't know, man. I, I think that was kind of garbage. Um, but speaking of garbage, David De Gea on that second goal just <laughs> yeah. is cement blocks. That's sweet. I get into this all the time, and I see a lot on Twitter. Like, um, actually, Man United's trying to extend his contract right now. Yep. I will put my cards on the table. I whatever, whatever expression or idiom you want to use. I don't think Man United can take the next step to push for a title with David De Gea as the goalie. I just don't. Um, I just don't see it's crazy it. that his... it's it's crazy to think that way winning the golden glove and then and then you come out and say something like that but keep going i mean it's crazy no listen the golden glove is great he had a bunch of clean sheets but at the same time they had a really good defense like luke shaw is one of the best left backs in the league martinez and Varane are, are a very strong center back pair and you know Juan Bissaka, although he you know looks like the gren a grenades at his foot when he has it offensively defensively he's very good <laughs> as a one-on-one -on -one defender yeah so I, I personally, I just don't see it. And also from the perspective of playing out from the back, which is a big thing for Ten Hag, he can't do it. Um, and that was exposed in this game as well. One guy I did want to mention, um, just because, you know, you don't see him all that often is um, Ortega, the goalie for Sebastian Ortega, the goalie for Man City, who played in this game, which was interesting, made a couple of stops. Um, but yeah, I, th I think for the most part, United had kind of had the better chances, but City controlled the ball as we expected. Um and, and it ultimately prevailed with the victory. Yeah, it was uh, that handball, going back to that, was one of those one of those calls that if I'm a Man U fan, I'm expecting it. If I'm a Man City fan, I'm furious. And if the roles were yep. reversed, I would join the other team right away. If that was on Man U, I would want the penalty. But as it was against me, I was like, fuck that. That's not a call. <laughs> you know? But yeah, I think the, the downfall for United was just a too little too late. They attacked with the last 15 minutes of the game like a United I had not seen this season. It was a scary, scary onslaught that they brought forward. They must have had seven shots in the last 20 minutes of the game. 
including a yeah. like the last kick of the game for them basically hit the post like it was a free-for-all off McTominay's head in the box that beat Ortega and Diaz tried to get to it like it was just a free-for-all back there like the heart rate was going through the roof in the last closing stages of the game that's right you probably mellowed out with some beer afterwards so I'm sure you were you yeah were I cracked a cracked a six-pack at work you know just- <laughs> oh that's right that's right uh, apologies that's great but uh, one more victory in your box leads one spot on the shelf empty still. And that is the tattoo you have on your shoulder preemptively. So maybe this year works out for you. The Champions League trophy. Will Man City raise it this year, this weekend? Will they raise it this weekend? Thank God that something's coming back. We've got some intense games going on. And it is the one and only Champions League final. Kyle, I know you said before you were nervous. What's going on in your head, man? Uh, it comes down to Manchester City's defense. That's that's where my head's at right now. We're going against Inter Milan, which provenly, consistently has good defense. I mean, they're an Italian club, which tells you enough about their defense right there. But I personally don't see us putting more than two past them in regulation. So it's going to come down to defense. If we can hold them to one, we get a clean sheet, we're in the clear. But we let two goals up. We let three goals up. I could see a lot of difficulty with this team. And it, like I said, I mean, it's a one game. That's it. It's one game against one team they have not played. So what it will come down to is coaching. It's going to come down to tactics. It's going to come down to outsmarting the other player, keeping your composure. It is, I mean, I'm not... I'm not looking at Vegas odds right now, but in my mind, it could go either way right now very easily. I think favored toward Man City, of course. They have machines. Mm-hmm. But, you know, two weeks, I'm sure they're going to create a plan to stop Holland. They're going to not let De Bruyne have any space. It's it's going to come down to defense, in my opinion. Well, I mean, to, to put your mind possibly at a little bit of ease there, your biggest loss all year was 2-1 against Brentford. So to, no. to, to be... We didn't yeah. lose by two once this season? Not according to what I'm looking at, which is foot mob. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say, yeah, dude. I don't think you've lost more than two to one. I mean, you only lost what like three fucking times. Oh, that's incredible. People forget they lost relegated <laughs> well, Southampton. Yeah. You lost five times. You lost five times. But because Carabao. Because Carabao. That's right. But <sighs> still, even with that being said, if you look at your head to head. Inter has an average of scoring only 1.87 goals a game. You guys have 2.47 goals a game. And and Inter lets up 1.11. You guys only let up 0.87. So those are some crazy numbers right there. You guys are literally for the past two weeks just been focused on trophies. You clinched the Premier League. You focus on the FA Cup. You win the FA Cup. You're focused most of the time probably even during that FA Cup game was towards the champions league sean what what, what's your take on this i know right now yes kyle you're right so there's out of let's see here out of 139,198 votes on the foot mob app 63 percent say it's man city what were your takes on the game sean where do you see this going what's going on yeah, I mean, it, it's hard not to pick City in this game. I just think they have such a talent advantage. I think uh, even though Inzaghi's done a really good job as a manager tactically, I mean, he's not Pep Guardiola, who is. So the the two matchups in this game that I just wanted to highlight, uh, the first one is uh, Francesco Azerbi, 
He's a, uh, the 36 year old center back against Holland. Obviously, his pace is not going is going to be a problem uh, to deal with to deal with Holland. But he is very wily and he'll be physical the way Rudiger was in that first leg against uh, in the Real City game. Um, the other thing is obviously Pep Guardiola versus himself because uh, he loves to just do some really random shit in finals. <laughs> so God knows what he's going to do. But yeah, I, I think um, it, it's hard, hard to see City not winning this match personally. Um, you know and expect Inter will set deep, will sit deep, frustrate, you know, have a lot of tactical fouls and see possession and look to hit on the break. But as we saw, again, ref, you know, referring back to the semifinal, where Madrid kind of tried to play the same way. It just didn't work. City found all, you know, all the right areas to be. And even when, you know, Madrid looked to counter, they broke up play with Rodri and mm-hmm. Diaz as well. So, yeah, I'm going to go for a 2 nothing City win. Um, why not take Gundogan to score? And then I'll take uh, Holland to score the other one. Yeah, I, I think you, you nailed it on the head there. I, when I think of this game, I just think of the real Madrid-Man City game. To me, that probably had more of the stature to be the Champions League final, right? You have two of the best teams in the world. And I'm not bagging on Inter. I love Inter. I'm Forza Inter all day long. I would love to see them win. I want them to win. Would I be upset if Man City lost? No, because that means we have the treble in the EPL. I definitely want to see Inter win. But you just look at the weapons Inter have, and they're great. I mean, you have Dumfries, you have Goosens, you have Lukaku probably starting on the bench as coming on as a possible holding number nine Martinez, who's been on fire this season. I mean, you have weapons, but you compare those weapons to real Madrid and man city just walked all over them. If you give man city a second with this ball at their foot, they will punish you in possession and therefore they will punish you with the ability to have more opportunities than you. I think I think Inter, if you're coming out, you have to be pressing high. You have to come out like a goddamn chicken with your head cut off. You almost go, no strategy. Play with your heart. Play fast. Play hard. Hold defensive shape. But everyone above your center defensive mid, you got to be pressing. You have to be working. Your work rate has to be through the roof. It's a final. So it's 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 a lot about that. But I, I just don't see, a, like you said before, Kyle, you guys have machines. I just don't see anything rattling the machine that's Man City right now. Yeah, the you know, one of the things that worries me is you look at the three games or three teams that you had to play leading up to this final was Leipzig, PSG, or no, I'm sorry, Leipzig, Bayern Munich, and Real Madrid. Yeah. All three away legs, we tied. All three of them. 1-1, 1-1, And then you come home to the Etihad, you win 3 nothing, 4 nothing, and 7 nothing against those teams, respectively. So, like... You're outscored fourteen to nothing at home, and you're tying three to or two to two away. This is not a home game, you know. We did not beat RB Leipzig away from the Etihad. Yeah. So you know, you come home, you slaughter those fuckers, but you go away, you don't have the the faithful. You're not used to the pitch. It's and I'm, correct me if I'm wrong. This is played in what Istanbul. It- yeah, it's, it's in Istanbul. Istanbul. Yeah, it's so I'm going to go ahead and assume most of yeah. Manchester City has not played on this field before. <laughs> you know, like it, it's it's going to be a new experience for both clubs. So clearly no disadvantage for Manchester City versus Inter Milan in this situation, but definitely no advantage. Like, and yeah. it's been proven in this competition this year, the advantage at home is humongous. Well, you, you have had a, a tougher run into the final, right? Like you, you listed before, 
Inter had Porto and Benfica in the quarters and the semis, and they didn't outshine them. I mean, they they killed Benfica. I'll give them that. They really did kill Benfica. But Porto, they won one nothing on aggregate. So you guys definitely have you know the upper hand when it comes to playing the higher level more consistently in the Champions League. So I don't know. But it's just but one game. That's that's the it's only just thing, one right? game. It's yeah. just one game. Anything can happen. And as we've seen on that pitch in Istanbul, when in 05, when Liverpool were completely outmatched against a great AC Milan side, anything can happen in 90 minutes. Dude, Man City lost to Chelsea in the last UCL finals. Chelsea, of all teams, yeah, we Chelsea, couldn't score. We, yeah, we, well, we got shut out one of, yeah, yeah, but it was Chelsea first place Man City ago. versus not first place Chelsea. You know, like it's yeah. a similar situation we're going into. A team that we should have beaten. Everyone thought we would, and we just couldn't score. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm with you on that. All right, well, that that is going to be it for me on this on this episode, fellas. Unfortunately, I do have to dip, but a pleasure as always. Keep the dreams alive, keep the hopes alive. Let's go, Man City. We'll be we'll be talking this weekend. Yeah, you do you do you, Kyle. Enjoy. I'll do a little heart rate check on you before the game. So please, <laughs> yeah, please do, please do. I think You're I might just working, go into right? work. No, I think I might just go until two, just to keep my mind settled. Yeah, keep it occupied until then. That's it. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, thank you, Kyle. We'll talk to you later, brother. And uh, by the next time we speak, you'll you'll be convinced Messi is in the MLS. All right. I hope so. I hope so. Cheers, everybody. Well, with Kyle's departure, we'll take a, a quick two-minute break here. And then I don't know why I said two-minute break. It's going to be literally a 15-second song for you guys. So we're going to take that 15-second song break, and then we'll be, we'll be right back. <laughs> All right. Well, hopefully you didn't pause it for two minutes and it was only the 15 to 20 second song for you. Fist pumping and all that good jazz. Yeah. We are back on the radio, on the podcast here in the EPL State of Mind. It's just Sean and I now. Kyle has left the building. And the last note I mentioned to Kyle was that he's going to be a messy in the MLS believer shortly. And that segues perfectly into kind of the conversation we were having prior to the FA Cup, and that's Messi going to MLS over the Saudi Arabia Premier League, which has been getting a lot of traction and a lot of attention outside of our typical, you know, retirees. Ronaldo couldn't make it anywhere because they didn't want him. You know who will pay for him? Saudi Arabia. Well, first of all, I have to hand it to Saudi Arabia. They are flashing a fuck ton of cash because they have it. And there's no such thing as financial play, play rules over there for them because, let's be honest, they need to get whatever they can to develop the Premier League over there, just like we're trying to develop the MLS over here. I obviously am biased because I'm here in the States and I want to see the MLS do better than the Saudi Saudi Premier League. And first of all, or second of all, rather, I have no idea where the fuck I'd watch that those games. So that is also a bit of a concern for me if, if you know, more and more top-level athletes and football players across the globe head over there. With that being said, we were going to talk about last week the latest signing for uh, the Saudi Premier League that I don't think we talked about him last week, and that's Kareem Benzema. So the Ballon d'Or winner falls victim of the latest green monster of cash that is the Premier League in Saudi Arabia with not a single team offer, but the actual country offered him 
$100 million. That includes endorsements and commercial and everything like that. A season to go to any team he wanted, any team in the league he wanted. So that is absolutely crazy. And it's tax-free. It's tax-free. I forgot to mention that, but it's a tax-free offer. He could go to any team he wanted, and he'd choose to go to al Tihad. I guess that's how you pronounce it. Yep. I'm horrible anyway. <laughs> but they did win the Saudi Pro League by five points over Ronaldo's team. So not a bad start for, for Kareem. It's crazy. But he didn't really waste any time with it. It was kind of a surprise move for him from Real Madrid. Ancelotti was surprised about it. Real Madrid was pretty surprised about it. I mean, I don't think anyone really saw this coming. We all knew that he was leaving on free, but I think that he was probably going to resign with Real Madrid. I mean, he literally just won the greatest award in the entire world. He is up there in age. I think he's, what, in his early 30s? I think he's like 34, 35. Yeah, so, I mean, it's kind of unusual for someone of that age to be still contending with the best of them, and he is one of the best. He is technically... As of right now, the best player in the world due to the award. So this kind of started a small little avalanche or a domino effect, if you will. We thought the next big domino would be the GOAT, Messi, joining the GOAT as well, Ronaldo over there. There was rumor for a one, like Kyle mentioned before, a $1 billion move for Messi to go over, which is insane. He would literally be making more money than... 90% 90% of the world's gross capital of, of, of countries. So absolutely bonkers there. Glad to see Messi come to the MLS. But we did lose another one. We lost N'Golo Kante from Chelsea, who is also on possible free transfer. Not possible, would be. He wanted to. He came out and said he wanted to stay at Chelsea, but they just didn't have the payment for him. He's also up there in age. I think he's 30. I think he's actually 32. 30, 32. Yeah. So... It's kind of like I said before, like MLS was supposed to be this league. You're 30, you're 32, you're 34, you're still pretty good. Get over here. So Saudi <laughs> obviously has a lot more uh, cash Cash-ish. flow than the M. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cash-ish, a perfect way to put it. So they've really attracted a lot. And we just lost Conte to it, which is a bummer. I thought I earlier in season one of our podcast, I mentioned that maybe it would be a good fit for... I forget who it was. Who was it? I was looking for the center mid. I thought maybe Spurs would would take a peek or a crack at him or someone take a crack at him because they, they needed a central midfielder. Oh, and you know who was Liverpool? I think I said Liverpool could you take did. a crack at him. So obviously that's not happening. He also got a $100 million contract for two seasons, $100 million each season for two seasons. That includes commercials and all that stuff, advertising. So good for him. I Probably would have pegged him as the last player to go over there, but he is joining uh, another French star, Kareem Benzema. So it kind of makes sense. He's going to Al Tahid as well. So, you know, that's a good pairing for him. Good for him. Make that money, bro. Make that money. Do what you want. Yeah, you you can't fault him. You can't fault him for taking that type of money. The other guys I just wanted to mention um, that are potentially rumored to join are Wilfred Zaha who's also a free agent um, now that his contract is up at Palace. I know Palace has offered him like 200 grand a week to stay, which for them is a huge amount of money. Uh, but it, I, we'll see about that. And then the other two actually are former Arsenal boys in uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang and then uh, Alexis Sanchez. So 
you know, look out, man. Who knows? Maybe in the next couple of years, the Saudi Pro League be, you know, considered one of the top five leagues in the world at, at the rate that it's going at. I mean, it's it's a retirement league, and I still don't think you're going to get the best players in their prime. Like, I don't expect, you know, three years from now, Jude Bellingham and Kylian Mbappe to go there. But it's still really cool to see these types of players. And, I mean, obviously, I'm jealous, you know, from an American standpoint. It would be cool if all these guys were coming to the MLS and we could watch them live. But it'll be interesting to kind of see where that progresses from here. Um, and But I'm glad, I'm glad that Messi's not going there. I'll say that. Yeah. Yeah. One other guy that was rumored to go there was Sergio Vasquez. And he's going over with, with Messi to Miami. So Oh wow. They, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yep. That's cool. Yep. At least I'm I'm fairly certain saw that. I, I don't know if Fabrizio mentioned that yet. <laughs> it's so not official. Hold, maybe then. hold your cards. It's not official then. Uh so but I did hear that. So that's uh, that's a nice little another one for the MLS. But hey man, like I said, it, it's crazy. Like if you told me instead of moving to a new construction company at the age of, let's say, right before retirement, let's say like around 50, I could go to a different construction company and they would pay me a billion dollars for two years. <laughs> it's a joke. That is a joke. And do like probably insta- and be the best person without even having to really try. That's insane. That's literally what these guys are getting offered right now. So, I mean, it's crazy to think that way, but Hell, we'll definitely be talking about that a little bit more as time goes on. Bringing it back over to the English Premier League side of things, I think we finally got the answer to the cliffhanger we were all waiting for, and that was how is Tottenham Hotspur doing with their hunt for a coach? Uh, Like I said before, no one would touch them for a little while there. We thought they would get – we rattled off five contenders in our episode, and none of them wanted anything to do with it. Others went to different leagues. Another one's still holding out. I mean, it's crazy. But we did get one Ange Postacoglu appointed at Tottenham Hotspur just this week. So, Sean, I know I was looking into this a lot as well. I'm really excited to kind of go back and forth on our opinions, not only on how he's going to try to revamp the the Spurs revival from eighth place to get back in top four contention and his strategies, his tactics that he's bringing over from Celtic. And then just talk about Spurs in general and and their movement going on, but take it away for Ange right now. Yeah. um, I'll probably not a surprise because it's a Tottenham related subject, but I'll probably be a little bit more positive about this higher than you are. Just a tad, just a tad, just just slightly. Um, But just to give you a little bit of background on Ange Postacoglu, he's a 57 year old Australian. Um, He's had, uh, experience as you mentioned with Celtic he's won back-to-back title or back-to-back uh, domestic league and cup doubles in Celtic um, he's also won in Japan the Aussie pro league um, and then he's also been the manager of the Australian national team for four years as well got them to win a like the Asian cup basically like the Asian version of the Euros um, as well as getting them an, an appearance in a world cup um, and just you know, what I've seen from him in terms of interviews and what I've read about him, he's almost like the antithesis of Antonio Conte, where Conte is the very defensive, kind of aggressive, and also um, kind of ornery, difficult to deal with manager. This guy is the complete opposite. He's kind of like a father figure. He's going to take guys under under his arm. And, you know, obviously he's tough on people and he can be a little bit grumpy. But he's always been praised at all stops for his man management ability um, and being able to connect with people as individuals. 
in particular, a guy I think who's going to benefit from this is Richarlison. I think he mm-hmm. is at his best when he's feeling the love, quote unquote. Um, and that's and that's how you get the best out of him. We saw it in the past when he was at Everton. You know, guys like Benitez didn't really give him the love, and he, and it didn't really work out. But you know, previously Marco Silva and him had a great great rapport. So um, I'm excited to kind of see how he looks. He, is uh, taking a lot of inspiration from Pep. So he plays like a 4-3-3 setup with very high, um, a high defensive line and then a high press up the pitch, especially counter pressing after losing the ball as well. Um, but, you know, just out of curiosity, what, what would you say the, the big needs are at this Tottenham team right now, you know, to fit his system from, you know, from what you've read about him? Well, to, to fit his system... I think you need, well, first of all, if you're Spurs, you need someone in the back of the net. And it needs, just because you don't have anyone right now, but also you need someone who who can possess the ball because your central defenders, who is the next spot that you're really going to need there, is is a very heavy, like you said, takes takes it from Pep, possession forward team. Not like when it was Antonio Conte, that they're playing quick counters, they're playing defensively. You need to have possession if you're in Postacoglu's, you know, squad. And to me one of the largest roles that he had and showed during his time at Celtic was that number six, how it, that center defensive midfielder is quite literally a pivot midfielder for him. That is taking the ball from the back, distributing up to the eights who are allowed to press a little bit higher up the pitch. They have a little bit of a less traditional role. Like you said, they're a little box to box, but they are given freedom to be up in the opposing half most of the time. And that just puts a lot more pressure on that number six, which I don't really see spurs having right now i think if you had to pinpoint it, i know you probably could put Bentacure back there because he's just probably their best center midfielder right now but then you lose him on the on the opposing side of the pitch so for me it's that um i'll get into it a little bit later on but an unpopular opinion will be i think like you said this is a golden opportunity for rich tarleson and i think that the when Postacoglu's team does not have the ball. He's very attacking, uh, I'm sorry, attacker, pressive, forward, consistently. And right now, the Spurs, two guys that rotate up top aren't very heavy on the press, one being Kane. So I think with him right now being 12 months left in his contract, the possibility to sell him is, is to me, it's eminent. I think it's got to happen. You can make over $100 million for just him in general to then have the ability for Posacoglu, who's known for his recruitment as well, to bring in some of the guys. I mean, I have on here, you literally could be, he could literally fund almost the entire Celtic team transfer to Spurs if he wanted, if he sold Lloris and Kane, just the two of them. That's over 100 mil. So it's, it's quite literally crazy to me. So getting back to your question is the number six and the goalie. I think those are your two biggest ones. I think you'll need to really put up the spine, but what are, what are your thoughts at? Yeah, I think those two are great. Uh, especially like you said, I think it's a great point about being able to play, uh, you know, have a ball playing goalkeeper, kind of like a sweeper keeper who can distribute with his feet and play well. But the biggest thing for me, and I agree on the six, that's crucial as well. It's got to be center back. When you go from a, you know, back yeah. three system where you have three center backs and now you're going to, a four at the back system, there's got to be somebody who plays alongside Romero and it can't be Eric Dyer and it can't be Ben Davies and it can't be Davison Sanchez 
or some homeless guy on the on the underground <laughs> that they found 14 minutes before the match. They need a legitimate top class center back who can play the ball um, and you know has pace. I know we they've also we talked about it today. You and I were talking with Tom. They've been linked with Harry Maguire. He doesn't fit. Like no. we talked about, they want to play a high line. They want to play possession based football. He is slow and he doesn't play well with the ball at his feet. That is not a good fit, in my opinion. That would be the wrong start to the to the Ange Postacoglu tenure. Um, the other thing I just wanted to mention because we were talking about midfield, I also think they need more of like an attacking eight, someone who yes. kind of can sit in between the lines, get the ball, turn and go. Um, I think Betancourt is going to be really good in this system. Hoiberg maybe could play in that pivot role too, but there's got to be somebody else that they bring in this summer. Betancourt coming off an ACL. There needs to be, I would say, as you said, goalkeeper because Lloris is gone. Center back, those two definitely. And then two in the midfield. That's absolutely essential. There's no negotiating, nothing around it. Daniel Levy, open up your wallet or you're not giving this guy a chance. Like, you know what I mean? You got to give him a fair shake. But I do think, to your point, that um, we see someone either from the Japanese league or from his Celtic teams come in. He has a reputation for, as you mentioned, being very good in recruitment um, and kind of finding underrated gems in, in the smaller leagues. So, yeah, I would ex- expect either a signing or two from the, his Celtic team or perhaps some of the better players in the Japanese league. Um, I play a lot of FIFA. I have never played in Japan, so I couldn't tell you anybody who who's good in that <laughs> league, but I wouldn't be surprised if some, you know if there's one of the top players in that league comes over. I mean, a lot of the rising stars that we are seeing – over the past couple of years are coming from Japan, right? You had Son uh, in the Korea area, obviously he's not from Japan, but Batoma. Um, and we're, we're getting a lot of talent coming that way. And I didn't mention before, but the signing or the bringing of uh, Postacoglu is kind of a twofold for him because if everyone remembers, Spurs don't have a head of recruitment or head of soccer right yeah. now. Yep. They haven't had a good recruiting team to begin with. Not going to lie, it's been absolute shit. Their return on a lot of their recruitment has been horrible, right? You know, you look in just the past couple of years, their latest greatest sale was Kyle Walker. And that was five years ago for 50 million. Everyone else has left for less than 15 or for free. So it puts Daniel Levy and this team in a very unique situation. And I'll go back to kind of what I was talking about selling Kane before, but I mean, you you just, to me, you have to. There's a lot of arguments against it, obviously, because you have so many voids to fill. Fill that with the money that you get from Kane, right? Yeah, other teams are going to know you have that money to spend now, so your negotiations are going to be a bit more difficult. So sell them late in the transfer window. Get who you want to get in now for the price, and then push them off for 100 mil. If you don't do that now, you lose 100 million pure profit on free next season. Kane's not going to stick around or or redo his contract for two years for Daniel Levy because of how much trophies they've won or how many trophies they've won because they haven't. But, you know, my other argument for, for, for letting him go is what you said before. Richie can do it under this reign. I think he can come and he's not going to put in 30 goals, but this is not, let's be real. If you're a Tottenham Hotspur fan, you're not expecting to win the league next year. You're not expecting to win the champions league. So why keep Kane around for that? It's not going to happen. Get your money, rebuild. You could literally buy the positions that you just listed off with with, with the profit. Yeah. So t- to me, it's it's kind of obvious. And also, like I just don't like Spurs, so I think this is a win win <laughs> for me. Like you keep Kane, you're still going to do poor because 
I don't think you're going to, it's a buildup year. You sell Kane, it's still a buildup year. So totally. I'll probably eat my words and we'll lose to him in the North London Derby <laughs> twice next year. But um, no, I, I don't I, see that happen, but I, th- I think you're, you're on, you're on point there. Um, he's fantastic. He scored 30 goals and they finished eighth. They don't have any European football this year. So, you know, yes, you could say from a counterpoint, maybe they can just focus all their eggs on the league and maybe going on a cup run. But at the same time, they don't have that money from Europe coming in. So the only way to fund the rebuild that they desperately need and have needed probably for three seasons now is yeah. to sell Kane. That's that's the only way they're going to bring in the money that they need to to address the four or five positions of need. So I'm with you. Absolutely. I mean, I think ideally for them it would be Real Madrid. So you don't he's not haunting you at you know in yeah. Newcastle or Man United. But we'll see. It'll be interesting for sure to uh, to monitor that one. Yeah, not to just because I'm a construction guy and I love putting more debt on top of the Spurs. You just built a state of the art complex, right? So you you have the money needing to come in right now, and you don't have a record of high sales, like I said before. So this is going to help you in multiple ways. You got to have that cash flow coming in, especially when you spend. I think it was like a billion dollars on the complex. So it is what it is. Spurs are going to be Spurs. Uh, really interested to see what you guys think about Kane staying or going. I'll throw something up on the on the social media and maybe ask you got your guys' opinion. Super interested to see what you guys have to say. So please let us know. Other than that, I think we can wrap up segment number two. We kind of did a hodgepodge there for, for Kyle, but we'll wrap this up and we'll pop into a really – it's a new one for us, and I, I haven't seen one come out quite yet. So Sean came up to us with the idea. Let's do an out of the top seven teams, the big six plus Newcastle team of the season. So we'll get into that right after this. Okay. The team of the season outside of the big six plus Newcastle, who is, who's going to be part of that pretty shortly, maybe replacing the team that we were just talking about. I don't know. We'll find out. But but Sean, the mastermind behind this, why don't you go ahead and and, and give us your thoughts on, on how important it is to look at players like this and, and get us started with, with our positions. Yeah, I mean, I think we're guilty of probably talking about our own teams a little bit too much and Tottenham just because they're such a, a calamity. <laughs> um, and I know I've gotten feedback, some friends of mine who are like Wolves fans or fans of you know other teams kind of lower down the table. So we just want to give give some love to to the you know to the boys outside of the the big seven. I think we can agree now that Newcastle has all the money. They are one of the biggest clubs in the in the world, um, and also obviously in the league. So. Um, just starting off, my, my first pick at goalkeeper was David Raya. Um, I know you're going to go with Burnt Leno, former Arsenal man. And I know he he beat um, Allison in that stat. It's like goal saved above expected. But Raya is also right up there uh, as one of the best keepers in the league. He actually led the Premier League in save percentage. Um, and then he's also really good with his feet. I would expect, or maybe not expect, but I think he could move this summer, particularly to Tottenham, actually. I think he'd be a good fit there because he is so good with his feet. He's obviously now been blooded in the Prem. But, uh, yeah, give me your thoughts on why you think Bert Lane knows the man. 
Yeah, I mean, you, you kind of said it. I, I mentioned it when we were doing the team of the year, including the big six, that Allison got my vote. And, of course, naturally, the only keeper that I think, like you said, had more saves over expected goals allowed was was Leno. And he's always been a good goalkeeper. Even when Arsenal sucked, it was because we had David Luiz as our center back. And the, <laughs> and our, our fucking whole entire back line was absolute trash. Minus Hector Bellerin. I do like Hector. He was put into a shitty situation there. But it was just, it was it was not Bert's fault or Bird, I, I, Leno's fault. But, I mean, he he's very good. I always was an admirer of him. We got him young. I remember when he was playing behind Peter Cech, we were, we were you know, talking about him more often than not, you know, of all the the possibilities and potential he had. I do will say that Rhea is is fantastic. I think he's already been linked with the move. I forget where, uh, but he's definitely on his way out because I think I think they already brought in a, a keeper to replace him. I have to look yeah. into that. Yeah, but I, did, I think I they did, did see that. that too. So that's my that's my goalkeeper. Big shout out to Leno. Uh, you know, Fulham, you did a great job with recruitment this year coming up from the championship. So really, really nice, nicely done. I, I think we, we sold him at the right time for, I think he went for, I forget. He went for a couple milli. I think it was more than I expected for him to go to. Like eight, eight yeah, million maybe? I want to like say it, it might've pushed 10. For some reason, okay. 13 seems familiar, but that's a bit much, I think, for, for, for Leno at the time. But great keeper. All right, so so right back. Go ahead there, my friend. You can kind of go through with who you got and who you're thinking. Yeah, so I just I wanted to mention a couple of nominees. Uh, Pascal Gross at Brighton. You know, he played in midfield for chunks of this year, but he also played a lot at right back. Uh, Kenny Tete from Fulham. Uh, Serge Aurier, the former Tottenham man who was at Forest, and then Matty Cash at Villa. I picked Tete. Um, I don't necessarily have the stats to back it up, but I feel like stats are a little bit overrated when it comes to defenders. Mm -hmm. Just watching him, I watched him really marshal a lot of good wingers um, throughout this year at right back. I think he did a good job on on Jata when Jata was just kind of randomly burst back into form. Um, I also was impressed with his pace when he played against Mudrick. And I know, listen, I know Mudrick did not have a great half of season in the Prem, but he does have unbelievable wheels. And Tete was with him stride for stride in that game. Um, actually both games. Cause they played pretty quickly one after another. Um, but so that's why I had him. I thought he was really good in a, you know, a pretty impressive follow-up side who kind of exceeded expectations, but who do you got? I have Pascal gross because like he's listed here as the possible right back. So I put him in the right back position, but like you said, he played all over for him. When an injury popped up, it seemed like Deserby just put him in the position that was needed. He's very versatile. He comes at the end of the season with eight assists and nine goals total. Those are outrageous numbers for right backs. I know he's not solely at that position, which is why he has those stats to go. But I think he's a great he's a great addition there. And defensively, he's very solid. And you have the ability to to rotate him if you need. So as far as the team goes. Because he's in the right back position, I slot him in there. But if you know one of the eleven goes down, I can put him anywhere. Fuck it, I'll put him in goal. It sounds pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, he's been he's been awesome this year for sure. Um, moving over to the middle of the pitch, the two center halves that I picked, uh, one was a was a homer pick, was a one Timothy Ream uh, from Fulham as well. Just really good on the ball. 
not the paciest guy in the world, but obviously he's, I think he's 34. Um, really obviously, you know, very intelligent, but yeah, I thought he was very impressive. And then the other one was James Tarkovsky from Everton. He played, as we mentioned a couple of times, every minute this year for Everton. Um, he scored that huge goal when they took three points off Arsenal at Goodison Park. Yep. And, you know, I think he had the highest percentage of aerial duels won in the Premier League. Um, so that those were my two picks. What do you got? Yeah, I have the I have the same uh, one because to be a captain and to be an American is is gigantic. So having Tim Ream there, captaining Fulham to what was a great season before he had a absolute devastating breakage of his arm. It was just gruesome. Um, he was he was uh, he was a staple. He was the centennial in the back there. So really outperformed all expectations over there. Needed it after being in the championship to really solidify Fulham. I I don't think there was a doubt in her mind that Fulham was going to stay up this season after the first six or seven weeks because of their aggression, their defensive stature and their ability to actually keep up with the Premier League. And that has a lot to do with their ability to prevent goals. So Ream gets it for me. And then, like you said, Tarkowski, to play every minute in the English Premier League is a feat on itself. And like you said, coming from Burnley, um, really being able to to play properly underneath uh, Sean Dyche again, um, for the second half, but for the whole season, he was, he was a staple as well. So I have the same, the center back duo as you, it, it looks okay. like, you know, moving on to left back, we have the, the same as well. And, um, I, Estupinian is one, a, a last name I'll never get wrong again Two, <laughs> one that I had on my FIFA ultimate team for quite some time, uh, just because he is top notch so before you know all the team of the season cards came out and everyone's a freaking 60 97 95 now Estupinian was a staple for me I mean he was so pivotal and so important to Brighton's defense and attacking because his overlaps on that left side with Matoma the two of them played so so well together and his ability to get back and really have a, a very very good one-on-one -on -one ability uh takes the cake for me okay yeah, that's fair. Um, moving over to a position where I know you and I have very strong opinions on both the players that we picked. Um, why don't you start it off with with uh, your pick because he's relevant today because uh, West Ham just won the Europa yeah. Conference League. I, I forgot that should have been in hot news, but we'll give the shout out to Ted Smith and Jack Dugan, your irons. Oh, and, and my cousin Chris, uh, all irons fans, all in crazy fashion in the 89th minute won the European Conference League. I'm sorry, the Europa. Uh, no, yeah, European Conference League, right? Yeah, the Conference League today. And uh, have solidified, even though they finished at the bottom half of the table, will now be in Europa next season. So big congratulations to all the, the irons out there. Um, I, I could have sworn, I was looking at this last night, I could have sworn you put Rice down as well. Yeah, I switched. And the reason why I did is the more research that I dug in, um, was the only player in the Premier League to be top five in tackles and interceptions is Moises Caicedo. Um, yep. And I just thought that his versatility, where he could also play it right back at points, just like Gross did, um, he could also play in more of like an eight position. I just felt that he was phenomenal. And uh, we've talked about him a lot. I also kind of hate on Rice a little bit, I know. So uh, <laughs> I'm just going to continue yeah. that trend. Yeah, I mean, he definitely hasn't been the one 
uh, that you have really showed a lot of love for. But I have always said that I think people are putting him up a little bit too on too high on a pedestal with a West Ham team that was struggling, struggling. And when you saw them putting all all you know guns a blazing towards the second half of the season to get out of the relegation, he showed up. He showed up with goals. He showed up with assists. He showed up with a very solid defensive tactic in the back. You know, I think wherever he does go, and I do hope it, he comes to Arsenal, I do hope that we do not blow half of our budget on him to bring him here. I think 800 mil is a perfect sweet spot. I'd push it to 900, but getting into the three figures there is, is, I'm sorry, 80 mil or 90 mil. I'm sorry, yeah, I thought West we were still talking about the Saudi Arabian League. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, yeah, West Ham would become the number one team in the world if that were to occur. But 90 mil to 80 mil, I think is great. 100 is pushing it too much. There's a huge asking price for him. I think bringing him in to be with his fellow Englishmen with Ramsdale right there and Sock on the right side would be a great move for us. I think Bryce has the quality, he has shown it for a while. And I think the second half of the season really, really solidified it for me. Fair. Yeah, no, there's no doubt. Um, moving a little bit further up the pitch, uh, we have the same guy and it's someone that I've been standing up and screaming about for the last probably two or three months. Whenever Roy Hodgson came in, it's, it's a Barry uh, 14 goal contributions yep. on the season to lead palace. And he's just, he's so smooth on the ball. He led the, the premier league in uh, the highest dribble percentage. So successful dribbles. Um, just love watching him. The other guy I just wanted to give a shout out to, um, is Ruben Neves from wolves. He had the highest successful long yep. ball percentage uh, in, in the Premier League this season. Um, rumored to be going to Barcelona. We'll see if that comes true. Um, it would be a big blow to Wolves, but also disappointing for the Premier League because he's a fun player to watch, not only as you know with the passing range, but also his ability to score long shot goals. He scores some absolute beauties every year. So just wanted to give him a, a little bit of a shout out as well. Yeah, he was actually going to be my selection, but then, I mean, when you're screaming on the rooftops like you do during this podcast for Eze, I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll give it to him just to just to do it. But total, total top class player in, in Neves. Um, he was rumored last season to come over to Arsenal. He was rumored with a lot of movement just because he was kind of, kind of coming towards the two-year mark left in his contract. So I definitely have anytime seen him play. And I've seen him play a lot over the past season. Like you said, his ability to possess the ball and ping a pass from 50, 60 yards away right to the a winger's foot or the in motion forward in behind the defensive line is absolutely world-class. It's right up there with yep. De Bruyne and Udegaard's vision on my in in my opinion. So I think yeah. if he goes from a deeper position yeah, as well, like those yeah. he, so, and he plays him. He plays him probably more frequently than they do. Obviously, absolutely, no one's going to say he's on those guys' level, but he is really fun to watch, and obviously, an <laughs> extremely talented player. Yeah, absolutely, fantastic options there. And then I'll, I'll give a shout out to James Ward Prowse. He was probably number three, but unfortunately, if you're on Southampton, I just I just don't see you on a on a <laughs> starting eleven of a team of the season. I mean, if there was like Kyle said, literally a position for free taking, I'll give it to James Ward Prowse. But again. Good shout out from him. Excited to see where he ends up for next season. Yeah. Um, speaking of someone who's on the move or a, allegedly on the move, um, I'm going to take a little bit, of, again, of a homer pick here. 
I'm going to take Alexis McAllister in, in the attacking midfield role. Um, 14, or so, so, yeah, I think it was 14 goal contributions. He scored a lot of penalties this year, but he's silky. Um, really fun to watch. He won a World Cup with Argentina. I just was impressed with his play overall. Um, another guy with a lot of versatility where he can play deeper. He can play in an eight, um, but also can play out on the wing. Maybe not the paciest guy in the world, but football intelligence is, is, is off the, you know, through the charts. Um, the other guy I just wanted to give a shout out to was Philip Billing, who was huge for Bournemouth down the stretch and scored some big goals. Um, another guy, again, I really enjoy and like versatility. If you haven't figured it out by now, <laughs> um, he could play in, in defense. He could play as a holding midfielder, um, but he probably was at his best behind the striker and making those big runs into the box. He's six foot six, so he can win, win balls, you know, in the air. Um, but he's also very technically gifted as well. So I just wanted to give him a, a mention. Absolutely. I mean, he is, he's come, I think he's, I, I don't know if for, like, I'll say his name again. I don't know if Fabrizio confirmed it, but it's a, it's a done deal in my opinion to, to, to Liverpool for you. I will say that he was right there in my, in my selection, but I'm going to go with Paqueta, another, another hammer. I spoke about him briefly during the season because unfortunately he was injury plagued. I believe he had a shoulder or a back injury or something along those lines. So we weren't able to see him, uh, you know, commanding and, and steering the ship for the hammers when they really needed the most. He only had 28 matches uh, compared to McAllister's 35, but he still put four in the back of the net. You know, he had three assists, which is only one more than McAllister. But one area that he really shines is his, his ability to still put in the work for, for defense. So he had 2.2 successful tackles per 90 minutes. He had 1.29 clearances per 90. And his heading clearance was, he has hops. I mean, the guy is at 0.83, which is a very high percentage for a central midfielder. So, or attacking central midfielder, nonetheless. I think he's a, he's a pure talent. The Brazilian is, is really, really good. And like I said, as soon as he came back into that West Ham consistently lineup, it really showed and he solidified he was the bonding agent for for Bowen for if it's An- Antonio up top or or uh, whoever they had or Ings when it came on the on yeah. the board so i think Puqueta gets it for me yeah and listen uh, again bringing up that Europa Conference league he had the assist mm. uh, on Jared Bowen's goal so uh, moving over to Jared Bowen's side of the pitch i i have him just just missing out to this guy on the other side of london you know, from the east end to the to the southwest, um, I have Michael Elise, the only player in the Premier League outside of the top half to f- finish with double digit assists. Um, really, really fun player to watch. If you look at, I think he had a, a hat trick of assists against Wolves. He also scored probably one of the best goals of the season on a free kick against Manchester United. Um, really, really exciting player. He came over from Reading in the Championship two years ago after being the Young Player of the Year in the Championship. Um, and he's only grown from there. So that's my pick on the right wing. But who do you have? I have uh, a Brighton boy, Sully March. We've talked about him in nauseam as your one of your favorite words, I've realized. And I really like picking that one up. Uh, it, he's all over the place. He is really something special. He is coming into form relatively late, but he is born and raised through the academy that is Brighton. So to see him kind of have a, a breakout season this year was was huge in my eyes. I mean, he had, let's see here, he had 31 games. He had 33 appearances. He did go through a little injury stint there, but he had seven goals, seven assists. 
He was a very pivotal uh, player outside on the right wing for them. So I, I gave it to our, your boy, the, the Irishman, Soli March. Is he Irish? No, that, I'm thinking Ferguson. I'm no, thinking Ferguson. Ferguson. Yeah. Ferguson. Yeah. That's all good. Yeah. I was going to say, wait, yeah, that, that's about right. Yeah. So I, I gave it to Sully Marsh. Um, kind of, you know, Brighton, I, in my opinion, was was because they are top seven in this league. It was a big six, big seven team this year. So I, I, I was expecting a lot of guys from Brighton this year uh, to be on this yeah. on this squad. Yeah, that's definitely fair. They uh, they had a phenomenal season and obviously played really well as well. You know, if NCSO played more in the first half of the year, it's possible we'd be talking about him on Absolutely. this list too. I, he got the goal of the season against Man City. Yeah, I saw that. That's insane. So, and he's yeah. what? He's 18 or 19? I think he's 18. Yeah, he's a child. He's still yeah. in diapers. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, moving to the other wing. Um, have to give a shout out to a guy who we talked about probably the first month of this podcast. Yeah, I kind of forgot. Karu Matoma. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we, I think we mentioned him every single episode. I was literally like two, two players before. I was like, wait, where, where's Matoma on my, on my roster? <laughs> I, I think I, I saw Willian, Willian and I was like, yeah, I'll give it to Willian because I'll tell you why. But like, it should be, it should be Matoma. It uh, should well, be. tell me why you picked Willian then. Obviously, besides him being a, an ars- ex-Arsenal boy. Well, Unfortunately, coming from Chelsea to Arsenal, he he absolutely belly flopped for especially the price tag that we brought him on for. And I've said it before in in the podcast is what an absolute pleasure it was to see Williams resurgence into the league after, like I said, a very disappointing stint at Arsenal after a very good uh, time at Chelsea. He, he was let go from Arsenal on a mutual agreement, you know, just so that we didn't have to pay his salaries and whatnot. And he went to the Corinthians in Brazil where he's from. And even there, he was booed off the pitch. I mean, just talk about kicking someone while they're down and trying to go home, have some mac and cheese, a little comfort food while you're playing for your team. <laughs> I mean, this guy went through the ringer. And then to come back and absolutely kill it for Fulham this year is why he gets my spot just to show the grit and heart that he had to keep even pressing him. The dude, if I was him, I possibly would have just quit soccer. I probably would have just gone home, had more of that Mac and cheese and never left the couch again. But to, to do what he did in the style that he did and, and really he was a threat to a lot of people on the, on that left side. So I give him massive props for that. I think he would have gone even higher up in everyone's rankings if he didn't get the red card during that uh, the, the cup tie against Man U with Mitrovic, um, two players that I think did affect the remainder of the season for Fulham through that. Definitely studded their growth a little bit, but definitely has the spot on my squad. But you know, Matoma, you can you can you can still come along, my friend. Yeah. Um... Well, first of all, I didn't know that mac and cheese was such a popular Brazilian cuisine, so that's news to me. <laughs> it might just be my comfort uh, food, that Panera bread mac and cheese. <laughs> Oof. Yeah, so, um, yeah, you know what? I'll take Matoma, but I do want to give a shout-out to Harvey Barnes as well. The only player in the bottom half – or the, he led the bottom half in goals with 14. Really just like that like typical wide winger with good pace, gets in behind and, and scores goals. Um very interested to see where he ends up. I think he's earned the you know the right to say that he's a Premier League quality player. Absolutely. Um, so I think he deserves a move out out of Leicester. Obviously, listen, you know, their record says what they are. They are, you know, they are gonna get 
you know, be playing their games in the championship, but I think they had a lot of talent. Another guy we didn't mention, but you know, one of the best players um, that got relegated James Madison as well. Yeah. Um, who, who should be getting a move, but yeah, I have, I have, I'll, uh, I'll put Matoma there, but Harvey Barnes deserves a shout. Um, and then in the middle, I have Ollie Watkins um, who went on a Rashford like run where he was just ripping up the premier league. I think 11 goals in 12 games. Um, he was really impressive for me. 21 goal contributions on the year. Um, one of only seven players to reach 20 uh, goal contributions in terms of XG and expected assist. Um, so yeah, I wanted to give him a shout, but I see you have the betting man himself, Ivan Tony, in there. So I tell do. me why. I do. I've always been a, a, an Ivan Tony fan. Um, and the only reason why I picked him over Watkins is kind of partially why you said it because Watkins just got hot for a little bit. And I just saw Tony as a consistent player that at any game, at any moment, he could put one in the back of the net. If, if the season was for the 13, 14, 15, 16 game spread that Watkins was on fire, phenomenal. But I'm not before those games. And after those games, I'm not really concerned who I have up top with Tony. So he played four less goals than Watkins and still scored five more goals than him. Any other season, he's in contention for the golden boot. And consistency is key for me. So it goes to it goes to Tony. Hate to see him have to sit out until January of next season. But listen, you, you play with fire, sometimes you get burnt. So unfortunately for him, he's he's got to bite the bullet there. But I will be excited to see how many goals he comes back from half a season when he gets back. So very interesting. It will be interesting to see if he also moves on from Brentford, um, if they decide to, to trade him away or sell him away. So very interested to see there, but that's, that's my full starting 11 for, for players outside of the top seven, uh, big six plus Newcastle. So big six, including Newcastle. We're, we're going to just call seven. it big. Seven. I think we need to make it the big seven. It, it sounds way smoother than whatever we tried to do. Yeah. I don't know. What is it's the, um, I know it's not quite the hateful eight. There's gotta be some type of <laughs> magnificent some, yeah, seven or something. Seven. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, I, yeah, I think uh, we hit pretty much everyone. The only guy that I want, or two guys that I wanted to mention, and you you actually highlighted them as bench options, uh, Zhao Palina, who did lead the Premier League in tackles for, for Fulham, and then the other one was Morgan Gibbs-White, who I think yeah. was a crucial player for Nottingham Forest and them staying up. He was um, moved over from Wolves, and he'd never really gotten a chance at Wolves, probably because of Neves and how important he's been, but uh, Gibbs-White really, really impressed me this season, and establish himself as you know one to watch going forward in the prep absolutely absolutely great names and then i'll just round it out because i threw a couple in there i'll give a shout out to douglas louise uh tyler adams the american captain heartbreaking to see him go at the time he did definitely could have helped Leeds stay up i think if he remained in the starting 11 not due to injury kyle walker peters i've talked to him a few times great fullback a lot of energy a lot of speed a lot of pace and then you brought in um, Solanke and Billing, both from Bournemouth up top. So really star-studded, yeah. um, I guess we'll call them tier two team of the season. Yeah. And, and with that, it brings our first special. I, I was so happy when we said that we were going to do another one because it, it's, it truly is just an excite, exciting time and, and great way to kind of talk more shop about it. So you can't, you can't keep us off the mic. So unfortunately for you guys, you guys are just going to have to keep listening. So, again, 
Thank you, everybody. Get involved. I'll send something out onto the social media tonight regarding Kane, sell or keep. Let us know what you think and ask us any questions you want. Sean, if you want to do the honors, you can give it a sign off today. Oh, wow. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you, everyone, for uh, delving into the, the EPL state of mind. And uh, we'll catch up with you after, the, after City chokes another UCL. <laughs> Good thing we didn't have Kyle on board for that. But thank you, everybody. <laughs> and enjoy the weekend. Thank you.